Are you looking for new books to read? Do you like finding a new special author? Are you tired of the same old books from the same old authors? Well then, welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths, a podcast where you can hear from fantastic new authors. Join Steven Schneider as he finds and talks to authors you may not know, but authors that have worked hard to write great new books. Hear about their book and why you should check it out. So sit back and listen to today's Discovered Wordsmith. Okay, I'm going to read from the new one, Rocked in Time. And this is this, this excerpt takes place in. This is when this narrator, character, first person character, I, first comes across this theater company that is then going to change his life. Although he doesn't quite. He's curious about the theater company, but he doesn't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so this is the beginning of that. So I'll read a little bit of that. So this is set in San Francisco, as I said, and it's and this theater company works in the outdoors, in the parks, until they go on the road, in which case then they're in uh, Right now, when he first meets him, he walks into a park. So, that Saturday, I found the park where the meme troupe, name of the company, the meme troupe had set up under a gray sky, torn ragged blue as the morning's fog burned off. The sun warmed the grass. People wandered into the park to lounge on blankets, to sit cross-legged, tipping up green gallon jugs of Zinfandel and Chablis. Nobody bought Gallo. The grape, grape strike was on, and the farm workers would win. The meme troupe stage consisted of a wooden platform and a painted canvas curtain with bright ribbons floating in the breeze off the wood-framed uprights. Across the top, stretched between the uprights, a hand-painted sign in cartoon gothic announced the San Francisco meme troupe. Above the company sign, a medieval griffin held a banner in its beak, promising, quote, engagement, commitment, and fresh air, close quote. The stage, the painted curtain, and its flags formed a focal point on the green grass in front of the wedding cake arches, cornices, and towers of a large Gothic cathedral named after Peter and Paul. Off to one side, a circle of performances, performers beat tambourines and a primitive drum. One of them played a recorder. They sang a song in Italian and danced, dressed in ragged street versions of Shakespearean garb. This scenario played out years before the tsunami of old Renaissance fairs flooded our parks. I'd never seen anything like it. My eye fell first on a tall, gangly actor with straight long hair, dressed in red-dyed long john. A second stocky actor dressed in tights and billowing pantaloons and a ridiculous silk blouse held a mask while he sang. A dark-skinned woman, older but beautiful, ageless to my young eyes, dressed in a peasant skirt and scoop-necked blouse, danced and beat a tambourine. 
Her eyes were gigantic, and she sang the way she danced, strong and fluid. This ragged troupe pranced onto the stage, singing, the crowd clapping out the tempo. The stage floor became a giant drum, their footsteps pounding out the beat. They disappeared behind the curtain, and the show began. First came a military general, dressed in black and a stubby sword. He moved in gallops, like a child pretending to ride a horse. He introduced the play in a phony Spanish accent. The beautiful servant girl joined him on stage, where they performed a hip, updated vaudeville routine full of gags about local politicians, drugs, and the Vietnam War. I got it. They had brought the 16th century into the present, and they were playing in the marketplace to the peasants. We were the peasants. They were crude and funny and very tight, and each character taking on specific postures and movements. They spoke in purposely broad Spanish and Italian accents, caricatures of all classes. Another tall guy played a fop and a phony philosopher, a doctor and an imaginary invalid, all in one, like a Moliere play. Another woman played the ingenue, and a harlequin clown played a lovesick servant. Two uniformed characters played grunts in the UK occupying army of the Italian military. I sat in the grass, leaned back in my elbow, and laughed. Everybody wanted to get rich. Of course, they were forced into the narrow confines of their lowly serf and merchant classes, so they could only steal from each other. The olive-skinned servant girl was the most powerful in the cast, the only character searching for the truth. Somebody passed a gallon of burgundy to me. The neck was covered with saliva. I wiped the neck with my hand and slugged a deep draft from the jug. What unfolded on stage blew my mind. I was used to the classics and restoration comedy, but this was a full-blown dance of grotesquerie and skilled improvisation. The show played like jazz, like bebop, tight but full of improvisation. The masks pushed the characters into high relief into broad stances, quick gestures. They danced on the stage, the wooden platforms creaking under the footsteps and foot stomps. Their voices carried on the wind, not always audible, but gestures told you all you needed to know about who leered, who lusted, who hustled, and who lost to whom. The beautiful servant girl won in the end, getting the last word. She carried the moral, you never get rich by ripping each other off. Loving and taking care of your brothers and sisters bestowed the only real wealth, love for even the pitiful buffoon who played the cook. Love them all. And if you want something done, she bowed deep, her scooped neck revealing her fine figure, do it yourself. Stood up, flashing a knowing wink and a white smile, and the rest of the troupe danced back on stage, off, on stage for a raucous curtain call. That's a quick description of this one of these outdoor shows and and the impact on this young actor. And I I'm going to skip ahead if you have time. Do we have time for yeah. uh, So he then goes and he talks to the actors and I said the character says, "Oh wow," I said, "Sure, do you guys audition people?" Maybe Vinny, who was the director, handed me a hand-typed mimeograph sheet. You never know. It was a playbill for the show. They must have passed it out earlier, before I got there. It might happen to you. What might? 
Who knows? Pointed to the bottom of the sheet. That's the address. Come on by. He turned away and rejoined the gang. I'd been a political animal since childhood, rocketed by my parents' left-wing take on history, the world, and the long arm of McCarthyism. But my theater experience had been limited to fairy tale operettas, a few high school shots at Gilbert and Sullivan and Oscar Wilde without any mention of his gender proclivity. College carried me over to the naturalists like Shaw, or Ibsen, and Chekhov, revolutionary in their day, but far removed from the growing tensions of mid-60s America. But on that hot Saturday in San Francisco, I watched this ragtag theater company with real acting chops mix rowdy comedy with astute political analysis on a stage that stole from the marketplace theater of 16th century. My mind was blown, for real. The meme troupe had in one afternoon synthesized my theater animal and my political beast. My mind shifted into dream gear. What a way to surge into civil conflict foment critical cultural crises, and preach laughter and the truth to the clashing communities of wartime America and the new left resistance. I was ecstatic. If they would take me, I could learn how to make theater my political work and my political work the theater. I wanted to join that company. Great. Thank you. That was good. I hope some people get interested because of that. Yeah. It's, you know, It's fairly close to the beginning, and it is the beginning of him going, I want, I want. Thank you for listening to Discovered Wordsmiths. Come back next week and listen to another author discuss the road they've traveled, and maybe sometime in the near future, it might be you.